Throughout the course of this show, we have had many guests from all walks of life. When we're talking about substance abuse, certain professions that people get into can offer new challenges that they may not have had prior to them starting that type of work. Now, I don't ever want to say more challenging. Our guest today is in that industry most often blamed for fueling drug and alcohol addiction. And I'm speaking of the entertainment industry. The most devastating stories we hear are those that are pulled into that world at a young age. We had Bob Forrest on the show who hit that road to stardom with Thelonious Monsters as a young man. Jeremy Jackson, who literally grew up on the TV show Baywatch. And even Wes Gear and Clinton Colton, who strive for that fame as young men. For them, we could use the common misstated verse from the Bible, money's the root of all evil, although the actual statement is the love for money is the root of all evil. Now, you have someone who doesn't understand the value of it. They may think it will always be coming. No budgeting skills and just a desire to have fun. And our guest today is one of those people, I believe, that I'm speaking of. Stay tuned for Jason Waller, who was first cast on Laguna Beach, the real Orange County, in 2004 at the age of 17. And we'll be right back. My name is Eric McCoy, and this is that show which encourages highness. At the end of the show, I always end with keep getting high, and I always love to hold that pause before declaring, but let's do it clean. I want to remind everyone to please subscribe to our channel. We're on all of your favorite audio stations, YouTube, uh, website is highwalkclean.org. And remember that we are here to break the stigma of substance abuse and take away that word highness from drugs. You know, to be high doesn't belong with anything that is found outside of our own bodies. I get high every day, but not on anything other than dopamine, boosts of adrenaline, and all of our feel-good neurotransmitters. And remember, remember the cool part is that it's free, there's no side effects, and you'll never go to jail or prison for possession of it. Our guest today is Jason Waller, who I am glad has finally decided to join me after repeated attempts at getting him on our show. And what sucks is, I guess it's your friend who keeps pushing you away, right? He, what? This, guy, this guy even came to my wedding. 
<laughs> I know, right, man? It's so good to be here. And uh, I love I love what it is that you're talking about. What I'm really hearing is uh, the proponents of natural highs and what it is that you're uh, allotting your brain to be able to do, uh, you know, without the the likes of substances or any mood altering uh, uh, substance, if you will. And uh, I think it's very, very important. Your brain produces more potent chemicals than heroin. You just got to let it work. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that it's not out there more to, to advocate and educate people uh, that natural highs are really a true thing and yep. they're obtainable and they're sustainable. Yep, absolutely. So to give a quick intro here, so Jason got his first real gig on Laguna Beach, the real Orange County, which began filming in 2005. And I think you're what, 17 years old at the time? Yes, sir. The Hills in 2006 became outspoken about his substance abuse as he was on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew from 2010 and 2011. And then much more recently, of course, they brought The Hills back in 2019, The Hills New Beginning. He's also had various other opportunities in between these shows of MTV, movie and video awards. Also was doing a rap, MTV rap superstar. And then... 2009 i guess was in two dudes in a dream yeah man <laughs> and jason man thank you again i appreciate you coming on here man no i appreciate being here bro and i know sorry it's uh been hard to get on uh due to the fact that me and my family just moved to tennessee which has been uh incredible uh but it is very good to see you and i'm glad that we are here absolutely um so jason and i worked together uh for some time can you actually yes. believe it's been six years ago that I got married? That is crazy. I cannot <laughs> believe it's been six years. It's been a, that's, I can't believe that dude. Uh, Holy cow. Time has flown by. I didn't even, I didn't even have kids then. Uh, I know. I've never met your kids either. Oh, you know? I, we'll have to set that up. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to start with something, you know, I got word on this obviously, but you know, you sort of vanished, uh, I think around what 2019 or so I haven't mm -hmm. spoken to you about this and I heard about it from other sources that you relapsed Yeah, that you were, I guess we could say even hypothetically using when we were working together. Yeah, I actually was, I was, uh, so back in God, man. So that was probably what 2016 17 yeah 2017 2018 man so there was there was a multiple years of on and off Adderall abuse um which ultimately led back to drinking and uh into so many other different areas of my life and um but Adderall actually it's it's crazy and I think it's important for people to understand is when I actually I had no intent of of relapsing necessarily or abusing uh Adderall I actually was life was really good things had all come together um you know and, and I can see how this dominoed into what it did because I actually went and saw a psychiatrist that had known my history um which I don't know that he had the best intent for me or, or not uh given that you know, basically Adderall's pharmaceutical synthetic grade meth. And I, you know, struggled with cocaine. Um, but at that point in my life, I was telling him all these different things that were going on. And, you know, and, you know, when I was young, I was actually prescribed Adderall about 13 years old and I did not like it. I actually hated it. Didn't want to take it. 
Um, and I didn't. So as I got older into my adult age, you know, when we were talking, you know, we thought, Hey, look, there may be some, you know, ADD and things that are coming back. There's a lot going on in your life. Let's see if this can kind of help you. And like I said, with no intent of wanting to abuse this, it ultimately ended up happening, but also looking back at what I was, what was going on in my life to be very fair and transparent is there was a lot of things that I weren't, wasn't doing that got me to the place I was. And basically I stopped doing everything that I did to maintain the sobriety that I was doing. So whether that was going to meetings, whether that was talking to my sponsor, whether that was working with people through the steps, uh, going to church was a big thing for me. All the different things that were very important and got me to the place of five years of sobriety that I had had, I had stopped doing, which led me into this meeting. So I can see back. And so I take ownership and accountability over what had happened. But again, as the mindset that I was in, it wasn't like, I'm going to go to a doctor and try to get, you know, prescription to Adderall. Sure. And but what happened is was basically within, I want to say, you know, two to three months. And I joke about this now is I ended up getting prescription dyslexia, right? Instead of taking one every four hours, I started taking four every one hour. And right. it was just this vicious, vicious cycle. And I was a person back in the day that would, you know, when I originally got sober back July 23rd, 2010, prior to that. I, you know, if I used, it was nine out of 10 times, something bad was going to happen. I mean, arrest, a, a, you know, car accident, something would come to fruition and um, uh, not in my favor. And, you know, during this relapse, the scariest part is nobody knew. And that was where, you know, I was able to, to blame it on stress, anxiety, just different things that were going on. I was able to, you know, it became a 24 seven jo hour job to manipulate my addiction. And that's what it is. The symptoms of, of, of addiction is lie, cheat, steal. And that could be in any manifestation into your own, in your own, uh, in your own being. And a lot of that for me was the manipulation and the lying to keep being able to use. And so it was a, a, a vicious three-year cycle of on, off, on, off to the point of, you know, after a year of abusing it, um, and not being willing to get open and honest, not being able to be transparent about it. You know, it took me back to drinking because I was in a drug induced psychosis. I was, uh, sleep deprived. I was, uh, you know, in, in sleep deprivation, uh, hallucinations, suicidal ideations. And so, you know, of course, alcohol is going to take the edge off and I'm going to start, uh, um, you know, start being able to sleep. But then I started perfecting this thing. You know, I ended up being able to take I'll take a quarter of that or all here. I'll take an airplane shooter and be able to go through this thing. And, and ultimately what it was, and I say this, you know, looking you dead in the eyes is, 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 you know, I always had, and I always wanted to do what was best by trying to help people. And I was literally dying on the inside. Uh, I needed to help myself. And again, it's, again, it's, I'm not justifying for it, but it's just, that's where it was. It was, it was, I still had the best intentions. And I wanted to give back and be of support to, to other people. And I think you, I think you saw, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I mean, it's my intents were never malicious or ill-willed. Um, it was my own internal struggle that I was dealing with. And, uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, even on here, man, making amends to you for not ever, uh, you know, being able to come forth and come honest and, and, uh, but that's part of the process is I take ownership of it today. And, and um, it's, it got me to where I am and I'm very grateful for that. But this, this, this ended up leading me down to the the ending of it is I was in the first floor at Hogue hospital when my wife was on the fourth floor, giving birth to our daughter. And so it was um, you know, it's, it was, and that wasn't even the end of it. You know, after that happened, I ended up going back out for another, you know, three or four months. Um, and, you know, finally was intervened on and I actually had to go back to treatment and, um, you know, but I share that because prescription drugs, you know, and specifically in, in the, you know, the Adderall's, the Ritalin, 
Uh, and again, as medicine has, has great benefits to it, you know, but I also think it's very important to educate people on how easy it is to abuse something like that. And I was able to justify it because the doctor was giving it to me for, for so long. Well, and it always seems so innocent, you know, when you do it through a doctor, it's like, oh, a doctor's giving it to me. So what's wrong with this? I want to say, you know, I, you know, I, I remember this many times with, even with Bob Forrest, you know, I would, I, there were times where I'd go to Bob and I'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with Jason? Right. <laughs> you know? And I don't really know if you remember, right. But we had, I had some drives home when I was driving, we'd be on the phone and just freaking going at it with stuff. And sometimes you weren't making sense. <laughs> Fair, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> and uh, I want to, I want to say too, like, you know, and I heard about this when I heard about the relapse, I heard it from Bob and it was, it, you know, how Bob is so interesting and, and can get so angry about things. And he's, he's not the greatest at letting go of resentment sometimes. That's the one thing I know about Bob, but we were on the phone and he was telling me about it. And he goes, you know, I told Jason, I'm like, he's dead to me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a, a, a trying time for, for everybody. You know, there was a lot of chaos around everything that was going on during that time. And, you know, there was, it was, there was a lot of new, there was, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, heightened tension, um, you know, just with work environment and, um, you know, so I think that, I think everybody was in their own, you know, and after talking to people during that time, there was a lot of people that had their own struggles. Um, and so, uh, but I know Bob, I know Bob was, was frustrated just because, um, like you were the one that kind of brought him into that whole mix, you know, mm -hmm. with, you know, the Laguna beach thing and, he kind of felt betrayed, I think, is really what it came down to. And and again, is is at, but that what that does, that's the disease of addiction, right? It it tears things down around you. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's again, as there's no there was no intent of like, hey, let me wake up today and see who I can fuck over. Um it's it's that's that's just and again, as people are entitled to their boundaries, right? And people are uh entitled to um, you know, to 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 make the, to, to take action in any which way that they want to. Um, and like I said, for me, it was, you know, having to get right, you know, and, and on that is, is part of the process is, is making amends in those areas. And, um, you know, again, as being at a place where I can, all I can do is keep my side of the street clean. You know, yeah. I can't control how you feel, how Bob feels, how oh yeah uh, anybody else feels. And, um, you know, like I said, all I can do is take ownership for, for what had happened through that time. I appreciate what you do. I'm not one who can really talk. I had in 2013, I had uh, 11 years clean and I relapsed, you know, working for a program. I was teaching literally relapse prevention to a freaking group spun out on meth. And so I get it, man. And, and, you know, and it is the addiction is such a nasty thing sometimes. And especially as you get time clean, we, we do have a tendency of sort of thinking we've got this more. We, I don't need to do this as much because I've got this handled. It's, it starts out so innocent. There's never, yeah. any, there's never any intention. I'm going to just go fuck everybody's life up. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think it's, um, you know, but I also looking at this because, because this is a big conversation, right? Is I, I personally, and 
I've had some people agree with me and a lot, some people argue with me. It is, I don't think re, it, relapse is not a part of recovery. It's actually yeah. a lack thereof. Yeah. And I, cause that's, and that's where I say is I can take a look and see all the things that I stopped doing that got me into that place that I did. And then by the grace of God, I'm very grateful that everything happened because it allotted me to be where I am today. And for me, I'll never work in a brick and mortar treatment center again. I will, you know, I, I do a lot more advocacy. I know where my, I know where my, my, what is best for me. I know where my boundaries are because I'm a person too, is in this thing that I struggled with was always people pleasing and wanting to make sure everything was good for, and, and part of that with Bob was to help him, you know, you know, wanting work and have, and there was so many different areas of wanting to help other people where again, I needed to help myself. And that was my biggest, it's my biggest fault in those, those spots. And so I learned through that after 10 years of being in the brick and mortar and working with people on a daily basis, I'm not equipped. Like it takes a special individual to be in the, in the day-to-day grind of people that are, you know, with the, with the depths of addiction, with the, the suicidal ideations, the family dynamics, being around that 80 hours a week, I'm just not cut for that. And again, as initially when I got into this back in 2010, when I had Mike Netherton and I, who was a president of Betty Ford, amazing guy. I had Paul Alexander, I had some of these amazing mentors, Dr. Drew, I had these guys that, and Dr. Hedrick and some of these, uh, these patriarchs that were, that were really took me under their wing. Like I was very motivated and very passionate about this because that was the first time I ever really had a job at 23 years old after all the stuff I had gone through. And so I loved what I was doing, but it got to a place where again, is not taking care of self after multiple years, but also getting to a place of my own codependency that I had to deal with. Uh, and seeking validation and, and basing my emotional well-being on how others were feeling, which is not normal. And so that was part of that process through that while managing an addiction or a, a being active in addiction, dealing with active codependency, there was a lot that had to happen. And to your point, like I said, I did disappear. And for me, where I'm at in my life, I know what my priorities are. I even gone to the depths of doing a lot of work on that, of even just who's in my life today. Uh, I don't let people like I, I've shrunk my circle completely. And who's who's a part of that? And because the most valuable asset I have is time. And for that is trying to be all things to all people. It's just not it's not a value. And for me, as I feel like I can be a bigger asset and more uh, connected. And the reason why I'm vocal about it is because there's so many people that go through what we went through, whether you work in the space or you don't work in the space. And the thing that kept me sick and I, like by no means was maybe the first few months of it was like enticing and entertaining because I was like, Oh, whoa, man, I haven't felt like I've been, you know, but drugs and alcohol at first it was fun. It became a lifestyle and it became a way of survival. And it is no way like there, the fun is gone from, from, from where I'm at. It's zero to a hundred go, you know, I'm trying to escape. There's, there's a lot of underlying things. It's not like, Oh, I want to go have a beer to enjoy myself. Um, when I, when I was active in my disease, it's like, how do I, how do I get out and how do I escape, you know, what I'm really dealing with internally. And so I think it's, uh, what that taught me is taking the time to actually do self-care because again, it was on and off for so long. And what were those underlying issues? And it was not just removing the substance. It was what, you know, cause if that was all it was, that's the easy part. Just get, you know, it's not hard to get sober. It's hard to stay sober. And I had to do, I still do therapy every Friday for the last three years and I'm coming back up on three years. And this is the best, even before I had five years of sobriety, this is the best place I've ever been in mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, because I'm 35. I've grown up. Uh, when I originally got sober at 23, 
you know, I was a young guy and I still had a lot to learn. And, but today, a lot of what's the sobriety, like the best part about recovery for me is getting to know myself. And I didn't really do that deep dive in my initial early few years of sobriety. It was just kind of the, a new way of looking at things and it was exciting and it was different. And I found purpose. I found passion, which were all very good motivating factors, but uh, I wasn't equipped to do the deep dive work that I really needed to do because during that there was a gambling addiction. There was, you know, the, obviously the Adderall abuse where there's, there's the, uh, other, other cross addictions come up and, um, and I needed to process those. And, and it really allotted me that opportunity to do that. So, I mean, if there's people in there that, and that are in that spot where, you know, they're like, we were, you know, when we relapsed, um, the, the biggest relief in my ever was, was being able to uh, having that intervention. And, and I literally remember it like it was yesterday. It was like, thank God this is over, uh, because everybody knew now, you know, and, and, uh, but it's, it's, uh, and it's funny because even with people such as yourself or, cause there's a lot of people that say they wish they would have said something and it's just, and it's, you know, it's, I, and it's, it's almost something to explore in that is because whether it's, they knew or they didn't, or again, is, is, um, it's just a very, it's cunning, baffling and powerful addiction is, is a very, yep. uh, crazy disease. So multifaceted, um, but yeah, that was a very trying time in my life. It's hard to tell sometimes with certain people because, I mean, there's people that have years clean and sober that just are fucking nuts too. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, sober, you know. <laughs> and on, on that, you bring up a really good point is there's a lot of people that are abstinence from drugs and alcohol, but they're not living a true life in recovery. No. Right. I mean, I, there's guys that got 20, 25 years that I know that are banging hookers and doing shit that like, it's just totally active in my eyes. It's, and it's me. Okay. Judge me. I don't care to me. That's not active recovery. You're married, bro. You're out there still doing the same shit as if you're under the influence. Yeah. Uh, that's why we always say, I mean, you got to change everything about you. I mean, all of your behaviors that, especially the ones that correlated with your substance abuse. Yeah. That. I mean, people get clean and sober, they still steal. Or, you know, like you had mentioned the sex stuff. I'm glad you said, and I, I'm really glad you said that relapse is not a part of recovery because I'm 100% on board with you on that. You know, you could say it can be for some people, but it doesn't have to be. And in reality being is relapse is a choice, you know, and that's the responsibility part to it. Right. And, and that's, and look, it's, it's a part of my story. Yeah. Um, but also looking back, it didn't have to be. I mean, we make bad choices. You make that. And that's why I think it's so important. Like we look at every little choice that we make, no matter how small can lead us this way, or it can lead us that way. Yeah. You know, and how many of us really think about those things? Think about the action. You know, every action in our life has a consequence. There's positive and negative consequences. How many of us like sit down and really think about it? if I do this, this is going to take me here, you know? <laughs> Well, that's where, for me, what's been really instrumental and has been a really cool tool is actually doing an inventory every night. And again, is, is not only on the bad things, but also the good things. And so what I do to kind of close out each day is, is when I'm in bed, I'll do it with my wife a lot of the times. Um, and when she's, she's, you know, not wanting to be a part of it and she just wants to go to bed early, whatever it may be, but I do an inventory of the things that went really well in my day and give myself kudos to that. But I also take inventory of the areas that I made mistakes, whether it was cutting somebody off, flicking them off, you know, being angry or aggressive to somebody at the grocery store, 
and you know, it's, I'm not perfect because I'm in recovery, right? I'm still human and I have those tendencies, but I also take a note of it and, and not to brush it off because I don't want those dominoes to fall anymore. And because, uh, it's, I can take, when I can take note of that and really see where I'm doing wrong in my life and there's areas need for, for improvement, there's, you know, need for improvement in those areas. I, I take that to heart and I reflect on that. And, you know, if it's something that is owed where I can make an amends, whether it's with, you know, somebody that, that I work with or somebody that I came into contact with that I obviously have communication with. If I was wrong in a situation, I have picked up the phone and made made the situation right. Mm-hmm. But what that really does is, is it not only allows me the opportunity to know the areas that I'm focusing on that I'm doing good in, but also to, to make uh, the corrections that need to be made. But it starts me off with a fresh day the next day. Um, and so that's something that's been very, very instrumental in my life as opposed to trying to process things months at a time. It's like, dude, just do the, it's how do you eat an elephant, man? It's one bite at a time. And so I do that and it's a daily reprieve. It really is. And that's what my daily reprieve looks like incorporated with the program that I have set up in the morning that I abide by on a daily basis. Yeah. When I look at my relapse, I, I honestly say today that I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful for the experience that I had because it showed me the most insane. And I tell clients this all the time, you know, with, to, to be able to go from having integrity, I'll give you the shirt off my back. I'll, I'll help you in any way I can. I took that hit of meth and I instantly switched to, I will rob from you. I will steal from you almost instantaneously. And that, and it, it's so powerful for me when I think about it, you know, it goes back to that saying, like, it's, you know, once you, when you return to using, it's like, you never stop. I used to hate that. I used to hate when people said it, but I can honestly say, it's about as honest as you can get. Yeah, you no, know, it, it really is a hundred percent. And it's, it's, it reminds me of what I heard in the rooms about, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll steal your wallet and help you look for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's so true. And no, I, and again, as I, I appreciate you being, you know, open and honest and vulnerable because by expressing vulnerability, it creates humility and allows people to, to understand and grow from this. You know, there's no perfect track to it. We can constantly try to be better and educate what it is that we gone through, what I went through and what I do on a daily basis may not be for, for everybody. You know what I mean? I know it's not for everybody, but if there's, you know, if it can connect and relate to some, some person, that's, that's the goal. Um, and again, is the same thing for you. And that's why I'm sure you have this, this podcast and, you know, just trying to let people know that there's, I mean, there's all different walks of life, all different socioeconomic backgrounds that struggle with addiction. It doesn't discriminate, but it's, you know, how people do get sober is it, it does look different for certain people. Yeah, actually, I'm going to be doing an episode coming up soon that's going to be really interesting. It's a, it's a woman who had a drug problem when she was uh, when she was younger, and then federal judge. No way. And so that's it, incredible. Yeah, she's put a book out, which is awesome because I mean that that to me is powerful because again that just goes literally to like yeah it can happen to anybody you know correct. And the bigger part about it, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you can do anything you want if you're willing to fight for it. That's the truth. Anything worth having is not easy, man. That is, that is really the truth. And, um, but it's, it's important, you know, I mean, it's just really scary to see what we're up against today. Um, you know, just, I mean, you got every 90 seconds, somebody's dying from an opioid overdose. Now, uh, it's, 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 I mean, average age of first time use is 11 years old. You know, you got the leading cause of death in America for 50 year old individuals and younger is, is substance abuse, mental health related. It's just like, we're really up against something that's really scary, man. So I appreciate you, you know, talking about it and making it, you know, taking away stigma and, 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 uh, normalizing the conversation. Yeah. You know, one thing I, 
and I want to kind of ask you on this, but one thing I realized in working with everybody that I work with and stuff that as addicts, we're sensitive people. Mm-hmm. We're sensitive people, you know? And I, and I believe that because, you know, when people get genuine, when people get real, there's some of the greatest people, people out there, you know? I mean, we genuinely, you care about people. Those people that are like the gangsters growing up, you know, and they live in that whole world and then they finally get clean and sober and they genuinely find themselves, they're all of a sudden, they love people. They care about people. Yeah. You know? No, it's, I, I used to always say that alcoholics and addicts are some of the most loving, caring, genuine, and emotionally in tuned people. That's how, why it's hard, uh, hard for us to stay in the moment. Uh, is because it, it like that's for me, it was, I was always so emotionally driven and, and it was hard for me to be in the moment with that until I learned the tools and the, and, and the, having the abilities to be able to process that. But hundred percent, you know, once you actually get somebody that is on drugs and alcohol into a real life of recovery, I mean, they are some of the most loving, caring and compassionate people. They're not those shitty people that, you know, society says we are, you know? Correct. And I'll tell you, I, you know, when I went back into rehab in 2014, after my relapse, I literally cried every freaking day for 30 days while I was in fucking rehab. <laughs> I don't doubt it, man. Yeah. I mean, I still have moments of that will just come in, you know, and it's, it's a process, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> struggling with addiction and, and alcoholism is, is not fun. You know, it's a, uh, the thing is it's, it's a, it's a daily thing. It's what are we doing on a daily basis to, um, support uh, a better way of life. And, um, you know, this is something that is, it's, it's neurological, uh, you know, something that is centered between our two ears and behind our eyes, it's in the brain. Um, and it's, uh, it's something that I hope to, and there's, there's some pretty amazing research being done right now on the brain for this, which hasn't been done in years. And, and that's where I'm hoping this will go is just with where we are with science and technology is that, you know, uh, it's very frustrating for somebody that's been around this stuff for the last 15 years, you know, 18 years with my own struggles and stuff is in and out of treatment. But, you know, if you struggle with something, if you have something wrong with your kidneys, your heart, your liver, you know, you get CAT scans, you get MRIs where they actually go and look and do imaging on the actual organ itself. But for addiction for the last 60 years and through psychiatry, it's basically, they just cluster up a bunch of symptoms and throw medication at it. And so I'm hoping, you know, in the, in the, in the years to come that we're going to see a lot more that comes out with research actually on the brain. Um, because there's more that can be done. Um, and I think there's, there's ways to really look at that because, it's like as us, when we, as alcoholics and addicts, when you use your frontal cortex, which is your executive operating system, which helps you just with basic decision-making closes off. And it's, and they've, they've been able to see and find that, that it's completely different from somebody that doesn't struggle with, with addiction tendencies. Uh, it doesn't affect them at the same rate or the same capacity. And that's where we literally get to a place where in those stages, when I was working with you, it's you lose the right to make your own decisions. You know what I mean? It was, it's, it's like a survival gene. And well, you're, you're, you're living with the brain that doesn't think that correct part of the brain, you know, and, and there's no cognitive thinking in there. No. And it's, <laughs> and it's, uh, 
it's, it's, it's when you're in that spot and to, unless, and that's why oftentimes there's something that, you know, drastic that has to happen, you know, whether it's an intervention or, you know, an arrest or an accident or you know something that has to really kind of disrupt that cycle for you to actively arrest the disease and for you to get stabilized. Um, and again, is it's the craziest part, I think, and also the worst part uh, about the relapse is, is when you have all this knowledge and understanding of it more than most, you know, to a degree, this is your average Joe. It is a horrible place to be. You know, it's like people would say in the rooms, you know, like a belly full, a head full of AA, uh, AA and a belly full of booze. This does, it is a shitty place to be. Um, and I'll tell you, it was, and that was, that was the worst part is knowing everything and I couldn't get out of it. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, it, it, once you decide to make that, that choice, you lose choice. And it's true. You know, I mean, I had, you know, during those 11 years I had clean, I was counselor, program director, clinical director. I owned a program prior to my relapse. You know, I mean, I, I went to Tarzana treatment center in LA when I went back to rehab after my, after that relapse, you know, and you're sitting in a room listening to people that have taught you everything that you've taught before, you know, and that's humbling. But the scary part about it, and this is what I sort of realized, is that if that happens, you've got to go in with the mentality like, I know nothing. Because if you don't open up your ears and listen, and what I realized through it was that I didn't hear anything that I didn't know, but here's what I did hear. And this is what I tell clients that I still work with, is that they teach me stuff all the time, right? Is that. I, I learned different perspectives on stuff, you know, and that's what I hear a lot from clients. Like I won't hear anything that I've either neither said myself or thought before, you know, from a client, but I do hear different perspectives. Somebody will say something in a certain way and I'll go, damn, I never thought about it like that, you know? And that's what 100%. I had to do when I, when I went back to rehab was I had to look at different perspectives. Yeah. And it's, it's gone in there and, and, and it's being willing and, and open, you know, let leave the ego at the door. And, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's, it is a very humbling experience because it, it's, um, I remember being at Hogue and, and I mean, literally one of the therapists is like, Jason, you're don't talk during this, <laughs> during this lecture and it's just like, you know, and I had to be called out on it because it's like, you, it's like you want, it's, all those underlying things, you know, that you're trying to still fill those certain voids. And it's like, no, dude. And it took some of that where I'd even, I was talked to the medical director and, and, you know, he actually had almost a, a very similar conversation of how you just broke that down. He's like, Hey dude, obviously it wasn't working. You know what I mean? So maybe look at this differently. And it was a, uh, it was eye opening and it was very helpful. I'm, I'm glad man for you. I really am. You know, I appreciate like it. Like I said with me too, it's like, you know, um, I can probably say, I'm glad you went through the experience, you know, oh, I, I'm, I wouldn't change it, man. Like I said, yeah, it's, I, it's even like when I used before, when I was doing all, you know, was very engaged with the TV stuff. And, and there's a lot of things that I wish didn't happen or, you know, I wish I could have taken back, but also, also at the end of the day is like, that nah, shaped me for who I am and what I'm able to do today. And the person that I am, the, the, uh, to be reliable, accountable, to be a really good dad, to be a really good husband, to to be a part of a congregation, be a part of a church. I love God. Like, I mean, it's just like my whole life is, I was just, I was just literally in Bible study before I had prior to earlier this morning, I was on Bible study. And then I had a meeting um, that was after, um, but in Bible study, it's just, it's amazing 
these group of guys that I've surrounded myself with. And, and that's part of me, a part of my recovery is just this, you know, there's five or six very unique all walks of life individuals in this study and just being able to be completely raw and open with these guys to, to better our lives, you know, and it's just, I partake in something like that almost three times a week. Um, and also I still have my program that I do, but it's, uh, it's, and by what I've, what I've gone through, like when Ashley and I share those experiences, and that's the only reason we went back on television is when we went back through that, um, you know, it would, uh, uh, it, the, the impact that it made to let people know they're not alone, uh, was, it was pretty incredible. And that's why we went back on. I mean, cause our lives were pretty good after all that it, it kind of taking place in 2019. I had a day slip, um, you know, which I, I accounted for and it's, that's, uh, was, I would have, uh, technically I would have almost had to be almost four, almost four and a half, five years, uh, minus that slip. Cause it was like a day, it was like at nine months. Uh, but again, it was when we were filming and I just got open and honest about it and was able to be vulnerable about it. Yeah. Um, and it literally was a day, you know what I mean? It wasn't the drawn out, uh, thing. And I, I called drew, I called a couple other people right away. And I just said, fuck dude, I, I messed up. And, but that allowed me to have that experience that I had and be able to get real and honest about more of the things that I need to work on. And that's, what's got me to almost three years again now is, is brutal. And it's honesty is the big honesty and forgiveness are the two biggest things in my life today. Yeah. Um, because I used to hold resentments like no other, uh, you know, you screwed me. I would never just, it wasn't a second chance. I didn't care. don't want to talk to you. And, uh, and again, is, is I, I look at it differently. It's my perspective on it is I don't engage with those people. Um, I, but I forgive them and I truly do. And I let go and I turn it over. Um, and, but that's not how I used to operate. It was more of like me and my mentality, which is not good. It was just like, how can I get back at you? And that's not a place to be, you know, it's a really shitty place to be in. And, um, but I, I am very grateful that I was able to make it through, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to have the experiences that I did and be able to be on the other end and, and talk about it because, um, that was a, it was, it was, it was a very tough time. It was a very tough time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, things make sense now. Things do make sense, you know, because there was, and I, I'm going to be completely honest with you here, right. That I love you, man. I really do. You know? Um, but I remember there were times where I really disliked you. I'm sure. And I think what it was, <laughs> was the, you, you had a huge arrogance about you. I think it makes sense now though. Right. Because, but I don't think it had anything to do with you. It has everything to do with, with what you were doing. I can't, you know, judge, <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of thing, but, that, but it does make sense now. And that's why I, I really appreciate, you know, the fact that you, changed you look great man you know i appreciate it i take care of myself man you know i put my my well-being as the top priority so i can so i can all those other things can fall into place so i can be a, a good employee i can be a good uh you know father friend uh colleague i mean whatever it is that i do is i, I put myself first you know and, and i have to do that today and uh first it's god and then my and then myself but um you know it's it's also you get to a place where you're you're you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you yeah. know, and, and you want change. And, um, you know, I am, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the best place I've probably been in my life and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And it's that humility, man. Put your hand out. I need help, you know? Yeah. And hundred percent. And that's hard to do when you're, when you're on drugs though. Yeah. <laughs> Easier said than done. I can say that for sure. But, uh, best decision I ever made, you know, I don't have to, don't have to live a falsified life, uh, 
live in, in fear and anxiety. And it's just, uh, so it's all, it's all different now. It's all different. So how is it being a father? It's, in, it's incredible. It, it being it, parent, being a parent is, is, is hard. It really is. You know, there's, uh, I love it more than anything. It obviously changes and shapes your life completely. Um, you know, but having a daughter and a son and, and, uh, an amazing relationship with my wife, it's, I wouldn't change it. You know, they're, they are literally, um, who I, who, who I strive, uh, to be an example for. Um, I, I love being able to be present, uh, to be able to literally get on their, their level. Uh, and I mean that physically and, and, you know, getting on your hands and knees and playing and, um, this it's having a different perspective on life and, Um, you know, I have a very, very tight relationship with my daughter. Every Sunday we do a daddy daughter type of thing. And, and, uh, even from this introducing how a guy should treat her from opening the door, just instilling these little things that, uh, you know, is, is even though she's young right now, I think that she'll, it's, you can, the actions will be remembered, you know, remembered and just partaking and participating in her gymnastics and being there for, with horseback riding and, uh, for school. And I mean, she just started kindergarten and just being a part of all that stuff and being able to remember all of it and to be fully present. And same thing with my son, just being there, you know, I missed when Delilah was started to crawl because I was in treatment and I said, I'll never do that again. You know, and it's amazing that to see everything that my one-year-old is, you know, from crawling to walking to starting to talk and uh, to some of those things that I'd missed out on that I said, I never would again to, to just be present for those. It's, it's the little things, dude, the most valuable things in life don't have a monetary uh, price on them. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the, the love, the memories, you know, the, the family, the friends, uh, that's what it's all about. Well, Hey man, I got to get to work, man. Hey, I want to say, man, I really appreciate you doing this. I really do. Yeah. Uh, thank you for one question. Me. The one question I always like to ask is if you had a message to give those that are suffering, what would you tell? Who that's a good one. Number one is you're, you're not alone. Um, I would tell them to, to reach out, to talk to somebody, um, to let them know that what it is that you're going through, um, you know, and, and that there, there is hope, you know, and that you, and, and honestly is, is that if you make that, that type of decision, you don't ever have to feel like this ever again. And, uh, I think that's, that's kind of the, the crux behind it is, is we, we live in that space where it's like, you know, it's, it's, you don't even want to exist, but it's also like, by taking a simple action steps, you don't ever have to feel like that again. And it's, it's, um, it's not, it's not, it's not easy, right? If it was easy, we would be talking about it right here, but I think it's, it's understanding that there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, um, and that there is a solution. Um, but you got to let go and you got to be willing to be open, honest, and take direction. Well, Hey, again, I want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it course eric i do want to mention real quick again and i you know i don't think i've ever really said this but for anybody out there that wants to stay high the rest of your life clean and sober is the only way you're going to do it kind of irony is that right yeah (laughs) it's the truth it's the truth and so hey i want to again thank everybody for tuning into another episode of high wall clean and as i always say keep getting high but let's do it clean see you soon